This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we are talking extraction. We got to get him out of there. Zero. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello, hi. Out Now is a film podcast, which has Abe and I discussing new movies and more weekly. We dig into movies via mostly spoiler-free review, the occasional commentary track, or something, some other fun topic. Uh, this is our uh, review for the week. We are talking... This episode, sorry, this is episode 403. 403. 403. Very, very close to a really cool error message that we're going to get in the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> we got to find just the right movie for that one. Yeah, uh, it's it's got to be a terrible movie. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, this for this episode, we're talking uh, Extraction, the latest Netflix major release. It's an action mm-hmm. film. It stars Chris Hemsworth. It's directed by Sam Hargrave. And we'll get into all that and more. Uh, but joining us to discuss Extraction and more this week, we have... From the First Word podcast and, and the director of the documentary To Air is Human, he just pulled out of the hot zone. It's Mike Eisenberg. <laughs> hey, what's up, guys? Mike. Mike. How what's are up? you doing? I'm great. I'm in my uh, special podcast office, which is surprisingly in my house. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, glad to have you here. I, I met you through uh, Alex Billington, as I've guessed on you got your guys' podcast a couple of times, and... Uh, you were talking a lot about uh, ac- uh, specifically bad boys, but action movies, and I figured, well, this would be a good one to, to bring you on for, as we're in this kind of action mood right now, and I, I'm glad glad that we could have you on for the first time here. Yeah, no, I'm happy you invited me. I am, uh, I, I love all movies, all brands, all genres, but uh, I found myself watching action the most during this whole quarantine. Which I, I didn't expect, if you'd asked me before it all started. Very, very fascinating, actually. That's a great... Uh, I wonder if that's just like, hey, let me get some extra aggression out. I was and, about uh, to say, it's, it's probably something to do with rage. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep that in mind. <laughs> well, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll be talking about extraction soon enough. Let's get to some show notes real quick. Uh, let's see. First up... I'll mention it once more. So this is our kind of new show structure where we have kind of slightly shortened episodes on Sunday where we focus mainly on the review and another topic, which Abe has a, we have a topic that we're going to go over later on after our extraction review. Um, in this, in this post bloodshot era. In the post, in the post bloodshot era. Yes. Um, PPE. Um, it's, did you wait? Just, just did you guys like Bloodshot or not like Bloodshot? It's no, cer- it's, it's just a marker in time. It's for certainly a movie that came out right before everything changed. That's, right. That's I guess that's true. Serves, isn't it? Yeah, it serves as the milestone moment. It's like when Thanos got all the rings, or I'm sorry, all the stones. All the all the rings when he when he crossed, yeah, yeah, when no, he crossed through the, when he Sonic crossed through the Sonic universe. <laughs> of course, this is Vin Diesel's fault. Why didn't I think of that earlier? Exactly. Well, it was because that F9 trailer launch concert was too amazing. Like, that was the problem. <laughs> in ca- Miami? Ca- yeah, in Miami. He caused it. He and Ludacris and the rest of the gang, they caused a riff, and it just is like, it opened a whole portal to, to just bad things. It's like Event Horizon. I'm going to make a lot of it. It's like Event Horizon, where they, like, opened the dimension to hell, and everything just, like, they went in, and it's like, oh, we, did, we, we got our foot in it now. And now See, I, I, I just thought it was because Parasite won Best Picture. That didn't help, right? I mean, Oof, that was. Yeah, like, I know that really did help. You can't like, have that good of a moment. That's like and Biff, expect the rest of the year to be okay. That's like Biff going in and changing the timeline so we're in an alternate 2020 now. Yeah. 
Oh, we just got to fix that line. We got to get that chalkboard out and get that line to go back up to the original line. That's, that's what we got to do. Who's got that DeLorean? I, I think some like, like Jay Leno probably has that DeLorean. <laughs> or, 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 uh, or Seinfeld. One of them. They both they both have it. One, one of them is a, a better power than the other, though. Was there a DeLorean on um, Cop Comedians in Cars? I think there was. No, I don't think he... I, don't I think, think he's... there was. Did he take a DeLorean? I think they anyway. did a DeLorean episode. <laughs> Remember when we were going to talk about extraction start, Chris? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Remember how I'm still in show notes for the week? Uh, well, yeah, we're in. So, yes, because of everything that's happened and that now we're past the pre-bloodshot era, we have these shorter episodes for Sunday where we focus mainly on a review and a fun topic, which we'll be getting to. And yeah. then midweek, we have these special bonus episodes. Anna and I, my lovely girlfriend, have recorded the special bonus episode for this you know, the rest for the midway through the week already. It's a lot of fun. I look forward to posting it. We'll get to that when we get to that. Um, so yeah, that's coming soon. What else? New commentary track. We did one a couple weeks ago for The World Is Not Enough, the Pierce Brosnan James Bond film. That was for the month of April. Uh, May is coming soon enough, and we'll have a new commentary track for, for May when we, uh, when we get to that. Um, what else? Speaking of our fun bonus episodes, Abe and I, along with friends of the show Terrence Johnson, we did the Academy Reawards, where we yes. reassessed. Um, that was a fun show. It was a fun show. We reassessed the 2010 films, the 83rd Oscars. Uh, that's that's going to be a fun recurring segment that we keep doing, where we revisit past Oscars and pick what we would have picked and how things have aged or what have you. Really cool show. That was that was a fun one to do. So all of that stuff is out on iTunes right now. Speaking of which, you can give us a rating and review on iTunes for our show out now with Aaron and Abe. You want to log on to there? Uh, you know, give us a star rating, even write up a little sentence or so. That'd be great. That help us pump us up in the old iTunes charts. Give us all the five stars, please. <laughs> all right. So with all that out of the way, let's get into our main review for Extraction. You want to survive? You do exactly as I say. Who are you? Name? Ovi. Move fast. Stay low. Something's wrong. The city's on lockdown. Yeah, no shit! The job is fucked, Tyler. Tyler. Just find my money. That kid is a walking corpse. And there's no way to protect him. You have a family? Yeah, son. He died a few years ago. The best thing you could do for that kid would be to put a bullet in his brain. We can send a chopper and get you out. But you gotta leave the kid behind. Are you gonna leave me in the street? <laughs> I'll get you home. Alright, that should have been some of the trailer for Extraction. Seemingly in an attempt to help bring back the films they helped minimize due to the success of the MCU replacing many of the star-driven action thrillers of the 90s and 2000s, the Russos have spent have put their producing muscle behind Extraction, a gritty action film written by Joe Russo and directed by Sam Hargrave, the stunt coordinator behind the Avengers and Captain America films, along with Atomic Blonde, Deadpool 2, and Wolf Warrior 2. Chris, yes. Hem Chris Hemsworth stars as a mercenary sent on a mission to rescue the son of India's biggest drug lord, who's being held for ransom in Bangladesh. Getting the kid is easy enough, but getting out of the city is the real challenge. I wish that was the tagline, but... <laughs> Mike, what are your thoughts on Extraction? Well, the first 
the very first thing that I wrote in my little mental notes was that kid's playing time from inception on the piano. <laughs> oh, is that true? I, I don't think he's doing it intentionally, but uh, <laughs> I think as the movie goes on, I hear a lot of Hans Zimmerish, specifically yeah. Nolan-y Zimmerish compositions it, going on. <laughs> there's no question that this movie came from the brain of somebody who watches a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. And like that, that's very clear throughout. And that was, I think probably like if you like action movies and you like movies that feel like a lot of other movies combined, this is a good movie for you. I, I liked it, but I didn't love it. And I wasn't being overly critical when I watched it either. Like I, there it's, it's undeniable that the action is incredible. Uh, that a lot of the things that happen will give you the same sensation you have when you watch John Wick, where you're just like, Ooh, ah, Ooh, holy shit. And, um, when you watch an action movie, like, you know, that's kind of, that's what you should be doing. And then yet on the flip side of the coin, I felt like the movie got somewhat dragged down whenever it tried to explore plot. And I mean, you can't, you can't just make an action scene. You have to have a movie. There has to be plot. But um, I, I can't figure out yet if I wasn't fully engaged yet and not able to pay attention the way I should have the first 10 minutes. But if you didn't catch every beat that's in those first 10 minutes, it was kind of difficult to follow along who was working for whom and who is good and who is bad and who's the worst bad guy. And so those things kind of just like I was constantly thrown back and forth with whether I loved the movie or liked it and I landed on liked. Abe, I yes. know you got excited when I explained that Sam Hargrave was the director here because he's a stuntman, just like the, you know David Leach and uh, Chad Stahelski, who filmed yeah. the John Wick films. What did you think of his of, of Hargrave's attempt to to make a film uh, here? What's very uh, interesting about Extraction, and Mike, you said this too. It's it's an amalgamation of a lot of different things uh, that you've seen before, like 80s and 90s. Aaron, you talked about this before I even saw this movie when you were describing it to me. Um, it's like a nice throwback to an 80s or a 90s action movie uh, where it's very simplistic in its plot structure. It's pretty much you learn everything you need to know in the first like five, ten minutes of the movie, and then it just goes into everything that you were expecting, right? Which is a shoot 'em up, uh, hit 'em up action uh, type movie. What I like about this is that A, it is simple. B, the action actually looks pretty good. Uh, I think that there's there's an extended action sequence early on where uh, he's he's working with the kid, and I was like, hey, this is actually working pretty well. I actually was uh, excited about one particular sequence. Uh, it's almost a John Wick type sequence. But then the other thing that I really liked about this movie uh, in that first part was the car chase. I was like, this is a really good car chase. This is well done. It's almost done in the way that the raid did it, uh, where they actually have a really nice little camera trick that they do to get you back inside the car. Um, but I was like, Hey, this is, this is like, it, it's, it's digestible. So, uh, so you're, so you're talking about this 11 minute one, like one take shot that they put together for this, for thing. the car chase. Yeah. In the beginning, but as the movie goes along there, yes, you do get convolution. You do get pretty much, I, I didn't really know what was going on with like the two warlords, like why they're at war, whatever else. Like there's really nothing to really explain that. And to be honest, I don't think I really needed it per se. Um, on the whole, though, I think that it's a fun enough movie when when we finally get to, like, the end there, uh, where it becomes 
overly dramatic to some degree. Uh, I, I did I did think to myself, wow, this is like, I mean, Arnold would have made a movie like this. And then I kept thinking to myself throughout the whole movie, man, Chris Hemsworth is so buff now that he could totally just do these action movies for the rest of his life and everyone would go see them. Um, but I'm also on the same page as Mike. Like, it, I really like this movie. Like, I like it enough. But obviously, it's not a love movie. It, it certainly is a movie that I would say, like, hey, yeah, if you have, you know, two hours on a Sunday or two hours on any day, you should definitely go check it out. Because um, it did rile me up to some degree where I was really rooting for Chris Hemsworth. And uh, you know, this this young boy, I don't know his name, um, but he's pretty good in the in the two scenes where he has to really, like, emote. And I was like, hey, this is actually, he's doing a pretty good job here. Rudd, so, Rudd Rush Jajwal. Thank you. Uh, who plays Ovi. Um, yes. And it, it's, overall, I think it's like a nice achievement for an action stunt coordinator or stunt person to direct. Um, the script is obviously just super simple and, and pretty much like uh, not very existent in terms of like dialogue. But hey, it is what it is. Um, it, it's a movie that knows what, it, what it's trying to do, and I think that it accomplishes it. But yeah, it's it's like it's fun enough, but it's not like mind blowing. Like it's no, it it isn't like a a movie that I would say like yeah, this is definitely gonna we should definitely make more of these um, and, and have it like in a series. I think I might be the less the least on this between the three of us, and it's not because I didn't like enjoy the film like it's a it's average to me as far as like overall and i'm but i'm trying yeah. to like piece together why because i was looking at you know like i'm looking at this as a whole and thinking there's other movies like this that i like a lot more and so i want to pinpoint like why it is that this just doesn't do much for me beyond the action which as we've explained yeah the action's it's 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 good to great in a lot of instances and i think it's because yeah everything in between it doesn't really do anything for me uh, part of that is Hemsworth playing as stoic as possible, where I don't think he's necessarily bad, but Hemsworth glowering a lot is not like <laughs> that's not the most intriguing thing for me. I will say, just to spotlight something we haven't talked about already, as much as I like Chris Hemsworth when he's like being his fun, charismatic self, the person I liked in this movie most was the guy that's like his foil, uh, Randeep Huda as Sanju, Saju, the the guy, the guy that's supposed to watch over the kid, and then becomes this like force that's like working either at Hemsworth <laughs> or reluctantly kind of teaming up with it like so it he, th that guy has presence and I was like who is this actor because I'm like I'm sure he has like a ton of international credits and he right. does and I was like I was not surprised by this he's like yeah this guy's going to like a giant like Indian film and Bollywood star and like he rocks in this movie yeah and, and so I was like well this and and what helps is that he's also the most intriguing character in the film they give him a, a an interesting arc a, a reason to be in this plot beyond well something bad happened in my past and I'm a mercenary like he actually has like a reason for what he's doing that matters to me and so mm -hmm. I really liked all of that and that's to say this is a you know a, it's not even two hours because the credits are like 14 minutes like this is I, I noticed that <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was gonna stop the movie and I was like wait am I gonna end it very <laughs> abruptly is there something I'm missing here are they gonna be invited into the raid initiative like what's happening here but um, <laughs> but but Initiative. So like, yeah. There's so like that element I like, but that's like you know that's a smaller percentage of the film where most of it is a lot is Hemsworth doing his thing, and it's like I get that it's like all right, he wants to be in this gritty action film. Cool. What's going on here? Are we getting action? Yeah, we're getting some action. I like the fights as far as the brutality of them, 
it's it's not John Wick as far as like they're brutal, but they're not like it's not an elevated world, right? It's like an actual. It's like trying to be as grounded as it can as far as the kind of action it's showing, like the raid, like you mentioned, Dave, like the, especially the first raid in particular. Like it feels like it's people struggling for their lives to survive this ordeal, and I like I tend to like that kind of action, especially when it's like a mix of hand to hand and gunplay, and that's all good as far as those scenes work. And we'll talk about those scenes in a bit, as well as, like, which ones, like, really work and the long take and everything. But, like, I don't know. There's, like, a there's a lack of something that's either, like, the fun or the thrill of it, as far as, like, why I'm not enjoying this more as a whole. Because mm-hmm. it's not fun. Like, it's not trying to be, but it's also just I didn't have much fun watching it beyond, like, moving in my chair when somebody's, like, neck gets snapped by, like, a boot or whatever. Like, there's, like, yeah, that's <laughs> brutal, and that's going to make me squirm a bit. But, like... Compared to something like the raid, uh, those are that's not necessarily fun either. But there's like a there's a horror movie element to that because of just how brutal everything is in those movies. Right. So this kind of sits in some like happy medium between those where overall it just doesn't like connect to me as far as I need to keep watching this because of how great it is. Like no, nah, it's like yeah, the action's cool, but like there's no there's there's nothing really else memorable about it beyond like oh that was that one that had those scenes. Like, so it's right yeah yeah so that's kind of where i sit because like i want to like this more and i keep going back like did i like this but then i keep thinking well not really <laughs> like, I, just, <laughs> I, just... I mean it definitely felt like a movie that was um more storyboarded than written sure that makes sense yeah you no, know? i mean there's yeah. there's moments in the movie that i already kind of feel like i won't forget um the the opening scene for Chris Hemsworth's character, not the not the like in cold open, thing. yeah, which yeah. Is nonsense. But keep going. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I get why they did it though. By the time the movie was over, because uh, well, we'll get into I, it I later. Get it. But and yeah. I like I like that there's there's more things that you understand, which is makes sense. Obviously, it's not you know there's context, but like there's more there's more edits in between the things that are going yeah. on in that. Well, I just feel like if you have a movie that stars Chris Hemsworth. And your first scene with Chris Hemsworth isn't until 10 minutes into the movie. You, because you're establishing all these convoluted plot points, right? You have to establish that this is a bad guy, but there's also a worse bad guy, and the bad guys hate each other, and there's a kid. And all that, that takes some time. And if you don't show your superhero main character that everybody's coming here to see, essentially, uh, you will. Well, what you know, you're going to lose your audience. You just are. This and is, so this is, this is why Bond it, movies are great. You could have a whole disconnected is. sequence that involves Bond doing whatever, <laughs> and then have the villains. But you know he's going to be there. I mean, there's 25 years of Bond. I know. I'm just kidding. It's also, but it's also, you know, I feel like they at least tried to tie things back to purpose by the way the movie actually ends. It, sure. The movie starts you with an up an assumption so that you can proceed through the movie with that assumption, and then they can end it in a way that sort of you know challenges yeah. your your assumption a little I, bit. But I don't, dis- I don't I, disagree. I just I when watching that I'm just thinking what happened in the kind of script or editing process where they're like was this a scene that was always here at the beginning or was this something like like you're just saying like we start this movie and there's no Chris Hemsworth for a while. We should probably put some one scene back in there to right. alert audiences. Like it's like my mind was like working in ways where it's like, was this always the intention or did they realize that they needed something a little bit more exciting to open this movie? With? Well, if you look at a James Bond, every James Bond movie starts essentially like this, where 
the the real opening sequence is the villain introduction and most action movies do it right that the, mm-hmm. in order to introduce the villain they have to do something horrifying how do you establish that this guy's bad enough that our super great awesome strong main character is it's worthy of his time mm-hmm. and without spoiling it i mean in the most graphic way imaginable uh they do that mm-hmm. i i'm still shocked I, I still can't believe that they just put that thing, that moment, just like out there in a in a Netflix movie. But um, I, I know Netflix isn't Disney, but like, to, I don't know how much I can say. Right, right. But I, yeah, the, I mean, people that I know where you're. I know where you watch the movie, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. bad guys be bad in this movie. Like, <laughs> yeah, bad. and and it, and it Chris Hemsworth, at least to to that point, he's moral about it. Well, yeah. Also, you know, you're saying this is a. This isn't a superhero, right? right? This is a mercenary. Mercenaries are not always good. They're, they live in, in that middle ground. But so does the movie, which I think is what I found so jarring was how often these characters change allegiances and how often just like I just needed to follow too many people for a movie that was supposed to be a Chris Hemsworth starring action flick. Like I, I wanted more Chris Hemsworth and less of the other stuff, but they wanted to make a real movie. Like I get it. You know, it's not John Wick. It's not, right. uh, you know, it's if it's John Wick, then they spend 20 minutes establishing the uh, the guy, the bald guy who likes swords. Uh, they don't do that in John Wick three. They just mm-hmm. let him be the bad guy. But he is a conflicted bad guy in that movie. Instantly, um, I mean. In saying that, I see the John Wick movies as quote-unquote real movies because of a dedication to certain kinds of things and the way they're shot. Right. Where this, I, li- I like that they're on location. It's not just like Atlanta. But at the same time, watching this, I'm like, oh, they put their brown filter on so you can know that it's a third world country. It's just like there's sure, like little sure. things that they indicate to me like it's a first time filmmaker as far as like trying to put together like a really cool action movie and they got a big star because the Russos have their mo- their money behind it and there's like little bits and pieces and we'll get to that long take in a second cause that's another one where I there are things about it that bother me even though I think it's overall really cool but yeah. there is elements in this that make me it, it never brings me to the point of thinking oh this was this could have been a great theatrical experience it probably like it probably be fine in the theater but like I if you like you you generally point this out, it does feel like a movie that was made for Netflix to me. Like that it doesn't yes. sit in that yeah. in that exactly. zone. Exactly. Yeah. And so and it, it's be, very okay. Yeah, go ahead, Mike. Uh, yeah, well, I mean just super briefly, the 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 way that they at least throw a couple of character nuggets in is nice. And to have sure, him yeah. like be drunk in the opening scene and seem like he's out of it, uh, and then to just, you know, literally starting the movie with a hold my beer moment. Uh <laughs> literally. And then to do something that in the moment I thought he's he's a badass, <laughs> good for you. <laughs> uh, but then later in the film to actually to to instantaneously call that moment back. I knew you you know exactly when there's a moment at the end of the film when they're gonna call back that opening scene and uh-huh. and and now that opening scene actually like somehow had purpose and mm-hmm. and meaning within this the confines of this somewhat throwaway action movie sure right but yeah. i know that people who make these movies don't think of their their movies as throwaway i mean no no no, no 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 and, and not... i think that you know when you think about the script writing and you're just thinking to yourself well joe russo wrote the script he's also a producer on it um his brother probably helped out too but it's, it's one of those things where i i hear what you're saying with like the storyboard thing because i definitely agree it's like i think they had a lot of really interesting ideas here and if it's true it's like 
yeah, great. Hey, I love Commando, right? And let's just have one guy save the entire thing while he's trying to protect um, uh, Alyssa Milano. But in this case, you guys are totally right, because I'm on the same page with you guys of just saying the raid establishes something different in that it's tense and it's also very much like as much as uh, as a bottle film as it is, it also has a lot of different stakes to it because, yes, you meet, you know, uh, the main character for like two seconds. His wife is pregnant. And then also you you realize that there's also like more elaborate traps throughout because you see the setups. And then John Wick is completely different because, like, I think, Aaron, you said this, it establishes an entire world. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know that it's not in our reality. It could be, but it's like it's like a hybrid reality of, of like, a secret underworld at the same time existing on top of our world. Uh-huh. But for this one, it's, it's trying to play it super straight. It's like, hey, yes, yeah, we're in India here in two different uh, uh, neighboring cities where there's tension. And because of that, it it's... Some of the some of the realities here just don't really make a lot of sense, but because of that, I also was like, this is totally like a Bollywood movie. Of course, there's gonna be a colonel here that is, you know, in the pocket of this warlord, and he's gonna have access to like, uh, seventeen helicopters and his own sniper rifle. You know what I mean? So I was like, this is it, it is fun to to catch these things, but at the same time, holistically and also objectively, I'm just like, yeah, it's it's fine. There's and that, like I don't think this movie is inherently trying to be like all that political. Like I do because it's just I never got that at all. Yeah. No, it I doesn't. It doesn't it. seem. It doesn't have too much like subtext going on as far as what it's trying to say about anything. But at the same time, this is a movie about like white queer Chris Hemsworth coming into this area and like be you know, destroying a bunch of <laughs> a, a bunch of Indian and Bangladeshi <laughs> people. America Team, like almost. I mean, he's like he's you know he's using his Australian accent or whatnot. So he's you know he's. It's a nice. It's a nice. Uh, but it's like he's you know he's the white dude coming in to save this kid from this town. That said, he is like helped by certain people or what have you. So like I can't like entirely say it's a giant white savior movie. But it's like it's there's some. There's some, like, compromising I feel like I have to do as far as, like, accepting, like, well, he's the hero in all of this amidst all these people that who where he's, like, executing both henchmen and police officers who are either in on it or have no 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 he choice a lot of police officers. no choice but to work for drug lords. Like, I, I get that, I guess. Yeah. But there's a lot of, like, there's some ickiness here, like, I don't – that – I, I can see it being more problematic if this was a film that was, you know, had more at stake as far as being like a major theatrical release or like trying right. to say something. But instead, it's, it's not like as bad as like the second Sicario, which has some really ugly politics going on in there. But like that actually made it. But see that I, that's ex- that's exactly why that was like a train of thought I had about this movie was mm-hmm. during it. I thought it like kind of Sicario too is what I'm watching here. Yeah. Well, yeah. But it, it without all is, that yeah. other yeah. political shit, without yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the hyper realism of trying to make it feel like this is what's happening and behind the scenes and you, you just don't know it and to have it feel so fictional. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, maybe it is the American in me just seeing this as an over there story. <laughs> like, Maybe this does happen all the time in India, Um, but no, I mean, it's just felt like a completely fictionalized story of completely fictionalized stuff. And that's why the drugs are just drugs. It's not like a specific drug being smuggled a specific way. You're not not wrong. Like beyond like phones, there's nothing here that like stamps it in a certain time period. So like I can admire that as far as, again, it just feels like a side mission. 
or a campaign in uh-huh. a Call of Duty game. Like I mean, I've, this... I've been playing Warzone yeah. all the time with my friends right now, and uh-huh. I was co-watching this movie with one of my friends that I play Warzone with, so he timed it up, you know, all that good stuff. And we kept texting each other the same things that they say in Warzone, the video game, <laughs> like when and 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 typing buttons to each other because like it the, the, the whole movie is just littered with it's very clear that these filmmakers like action movies and play video games. Yeah, pretty much, and I mean, and that's that's where I chalk it up and saying like they they knew what they were trying to do and they they kind of got it done. But yes, as a when you when you sit back and you're thinking to yourself. What does this even all mean? Like, it, I don't think it really means anything because, to your point, uh, Mike, you know, we've seen movies where children get kidnapped. You know, whether it's Man on Fire or I forget this other movie where they actually take like the guy's son and then they cut off his ear or something, and then he's left in the in in. Or I, I think that was Man on Fire. Man that was like the fire, beginning. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, they just leave him in, like at a, at a freeway intersection. It's, uh, or whatever. Nine, it's nine to five. That's what you're talking. You're talking about nine to five. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> but you've seen other movies where they do have this this. Uh, political side to them. And I'm pretty sure that there are these underground drug lords that are doing things in these two cities of India. Uh, but Maybe I think there's... more to the point that I wanted to make was that Aaron, you brought up that there's uh, Saju, the character Saju. Yeah. That guy is the most interesting character in yeah. this movie. And I think that's, that's really what, um, what propels this movie forward, but also really what they, I, I can't decide. There's like, well, this, this was like, Let's say like it was like a movie that we were just gonna make with with the with the actor um, and have him play the savior. Oh no! But now we have the Russos coming in. Let, let's find somebody that they know on the cheap that is like tired of like making Marvel movies. Oh, Chris Hemsworth is here. Let's let's put him in here. I can't decide if they were gonna do that because uh, for the most part, it's like. Well, again, I mean, it's written by Joe Russo and it's produced by the Russos. Like, yeah. they did what they wanted to do with this. Sure. <laughs> they made the they, they didn't like co-opt it from you know a smaller foreign international production and like become make it Americanized. Like they did. I, I need to go see this graphic novel they made, that he wrote us on because I am very very curious about it. To be to be fair, I mean, Sam Hargrave, having been involved in so many of the Marvel movies, I'm sure you know he and he and Hemsworth probably have a rapport, right? I mean, they're oh, sure. very, yeah. like, they're very likely was a situation like 21 bridges, right? I mean, like mm-hmm. the, I think if you're going to use another movie as a comparison mm-hmm. as much as it feels like it should be commando or whatever, like be movies. We now classify as B B action movies. Um, 21 bridges. It's like, they both revolve around closing down the city because <laughs> of bridges. I mean, slight yeah. spoiler, but not really. I mean, like, the, are we going to get, is this what we're going to do now? Like, is this going to be our thing? <laughs> is every, every Russo produced action movie revolves closing down the bridges. I would love that. I would love a little would, weird I'll say, like and I'll, I'll say this, because I, I don't know if you're aware. I, I like 21 Bridges quite a bit. I think it's a solid cop movie. It has some good action. Bozeman is very good in it. It has a great supporting cast, actually. I like this. I like that. I'm not saying it's a new classic, but I like that movie. I like. Yeah, it we more. have a big, big disagreement on that one. But the... I like that movie more than this movie quite a bit. Just for I like. I think the plot's more interesting in it, and I think Bozeman is a better lead in it than Hemsworth is here. Where I'm not thinking the supporting character is the most interesting person in the movie. Yeah. Uh, but I do. I do give this movie credit for having an actual bridge-based action sequence, which 21 Bridges did not do. (laughs) (laughs) So I can get behind that. But even better, like, as much as I'm talking about, like, you know, the white guy coming in to save the day, I like that the third act, like, action sequence 
relegates him to basically a supporting character, and it makes other characters more important in the main action taking sure. place. I think that there's that's an admirable like turn in as far as how the movie's playing out and like what's being how things are being resolved. I like that he's just kind of after the fact in that. Like I think that's clever. I, I think for that scene um, and throughout the movie, Mike, you brought this up, which is there, there's actually a lot of characters in this movie that it like unnecessarily needs to have all these characters. And, um, you know, you see a few of them get taken out in the early part of the movie. And then later on, there's like an entire team. And I was like, hey, cool, an Asian guy is there. And sure enough, that Asian guy has gone, man. So <laughs> I was like, yeah, there, there's a lot of people in this movie that <laughs> they don't need to be there. You could have just had like two people coming through to, to rescue. But <laughs> it is what it is. I like that there's this weird like action movie theme of like let's have you know a random slightly unhinged guy just take up a you know a good chunk of the middle of the movie so you have like Lawrence Fishburne in Pre- the Predator <laughs> or Predator Predators or you have yeah. Tim Robbins in War of the Worlds and now you have Hellboy himself David Harbour coming in in the middle of this movie as like this like American guy who can somehow challenge Chris Hemsworth in a fight, which was very entertaining to me. And um, <laughs> they're both six four. He's he's a burly guy, so I get it. I get it. He man, he's a, he's a Marvel star now too. It's just in a delay right. movie. Um, but... but that's also like my favorite part of the movie, outside of the Warner. Also, I'll say yeah. this, and I, and I was gonna say like Harvard wait, 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 real, real quick. It. I'll, I'll... <laughs> It'd be my favorite part if I thought if the sound mixing wasn't terrible in this movie. <laughs> I'm gonna. Did you guys have a problem with hearing people in this film? Yeah, mine was okay. That's funny you say that. Yeah. I, no, I thought the sound mixing. It's it's awful. Like I had to crank my volume a lot, and I'm like, why am I cranking my volume to hear pe- two people talk in a closed area? So yeah. it's like, what happened here? Is like the whole like David Harbour, Crimson Hemsworth stuff. I'm like. What? They're not whispering, but I can't hear them. So was, that was that was very distracting to me. And yeah. it's like, yeah, I understand narratively that's not a fault of the film, but like from production wise, clearly something happened here because I like I shouldn't yeah, have to. Yeah, like, ADR that. Yeah, yeah. No, it adds up. It adds up. And the, the 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 thing about it is it 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 does expand a world. Like if people dig this movie enough, and they get the chance to make a sequel, they've they've given themselves this character that has background and respect from the characters that we've now learned uh to know mm-hmm. and and so i was surprised because you know i my wife's usually pretty good at this um she she pinned the she pinned david harbour as the bad guy uh-huh. <laughs> she was like he's definitely in on it and well, and, I mean, and 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 but they, he david, just has he's playing a david harbour character which is generally like <laughs> the, the like fifth guy down on the rung who's like probably corrupt in some way like that's yeah that's beyond, beyond this is like, the movie his, where he's earned he all those people have been killed by other heroes and now he's near the top of the ladder yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it is also a situation where um you know i didn't know that i didn't see him on the credits or anything else and then when he shows up i was like he's not gonna be here for long <laughs> Yeah, it I was didn't... a Matt Damon in, in, in Interstellar moment. Yeah. Exactly, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mike, you want to – we're not going to spoil the ending, but I, I am very curious about this because we've seen that you, – you've brought up the, this, the opening of Chris Hemsworth and also a different scene altogether. And then, you know, the Ovi actually talks about this um, in script form. But I can see where they might do some – some sequels to this. I hope that they don't, but uh re extraction. <laughs> or it I just goes into like they just start doing like numbers. Who wants to see that? I uh, all due respect. Yeah. 
nobody's watching this movie 10 times until the sequel comes out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I will go, I will go back and watch that one or multiple times. I will do that. I probably will um, download this movie onto my iPad for flights whenever we're allowed to fly again. And this will be that move. This will be that thing. Like I have, I always have three or four things on my iPad that when I finish a movie and there's still 20 minutes left in the flight, I'll just watch those scenes. Uh-huh. And that one or will probably be one of them. But like, I mean, it would, but even it was, it, it was, it proved how good 1917 was. <laughs> Like that's I mean, my. There's no question about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't need proof. Yeah, but well, even like, other, like let's talk. Let's so let's talk about. We'll get back to the ending. We'll get back to sure. the ending when we get to the end. But like, let's talk about this one because I, I watching this and, and recognizing like other action scenes that you know are shot in one take or at least framed to be one take. This one, like I like what they're doing here, but at the same time, it felt more so than others that I've seen. Like this, like Atomic Blonde, for instance, which has you know a giant one take action scene, and sure. Hargrave was you know he worked on that. This one, I really I felt like I saw the seams a lot more than I usually see them in these kinds of scenes. Yes, and that I, kept, I definitely know what you mean. That kept bothering me because I really yeah. wanted to because I'm like once the car started, I'm like, oh, this is the scene. Like you get it. Like this is the scene that the guy. I, I knew there was a big one take in here. I didn't know where yeah. it was. It's like okay, this is where it's happening now, but like watching it, I don't. It was just like the, like with the rate. I don't want to keep bringing up the rate because it's such a like an ex- exemplary example of action movies. It's hard to be like, well, this doesn't compare to that great thing. So what's that's not what I'm trying to say. But like with yeah. the rate, with the raid two, there's that giant car chase. The thing is that like I know those guys. There's like guys on like roller skates going from one car to another exactly. and passing it to a guy yeah. who's dressed as a seat in the car yes, to disguise yeah. himself. Where this feels like it's digital. It fe- it feels like it's just floating through, and there's not that same kind of effort. Yeah. Not that there, everything actually... needs not that everything needs to be deftifying to like make it work, but there is just something about it that just feels a little fakey. Even though the stuff that like you know when it's not transitioning, the stuff being happening in frame is really cool. Like I'm not denying yeah. that. Yeah, there there is an element of digitalness to it that I I sense in a different scene altogether. It's when he's gonna uh, when they're trying to escape on foot and he throws uh, the kid across to a different rooftop. Uh huh. And the camera follows Chris Hemsworth as he jumps, but it's like you can definitely see that it's not real Um, or like it's done on a soundstage and then the green screened it or whatever the case is. Maybe they had like they had to composite uh, his face onto like a stuntman's face. But during that one or during that car chase sequence, yeah, I think that they were trying to go for this certain grit and they, they get it to some degree. But they also lose me because I was like, how fast is this car going because if they have a person following on foot, uh, it's not going very fast. You know what I mean? Where the car is just clearly not like going 20 miles an hour or whatever. Because nobody can run that fast for an extended period of time. If it's on a dollar in a crane, I get it. But the streets seem too tight. I don't know. But there is like this element of, hey, this is cool. But also, you're right. I think you, you phrased it adequately, which is, I do see some of the seams here. Man, we're spoiled. I know. I know. It's, that's I, that's I think the only way. I think you have to acknowledge that we're just spoiled from movies <laughs> like 1917 and Gravity, and even Roma at times. Like we're just, it's just, it's easy to forget how hard these things are to pull off, and like, especially on a movie like this where it doesn't, it it, it didn't, it didn't need to happen. <laughs> It didn't need. I know. Need it. It, I, this I, movie needed more cuts. Like it needed more editing. Is the irony of this movie? But that scene, I think, in 
the grand scheme of looking at extraction was so good. Yeah. And yet if you do just isolate it and compare it to other things, other movies, the CGI runs a little weak uh, and heavy. Right. And, but like also, um, you know, there are you, if you watch the, the, the clip they released the behind the scenes where they knew like, well, we better push this one before the movie releases. So people know that it's more than just Chris Hemsworth being hot and sweaty and stuff. And like, (laughs) uh, you know, that the way they did it had some very like creative things going on. That to strap the director to the front of a car is awesome and really creative. And you, but you can see when he right. literally gets off the car in the same way you can see when the dolly breaks in uh, Knives Out and they had to go handheld. Right. <laughs> I mean, those scenes can take you out of a movie, but if the scene keeps pushing and like never gives up it's easier for me to forget about those scenes i see him and i do the leonardo DiCaprio pointing and then like somebody gets smashed with the car and i've forgotten already mm-hmm. so it helps but you're right the seams were pretty heavy like you know the smash windshield that then turns into a very clearly different shot um but the transition's good and like 95 percent of people watching the movie 50% of the people watching the movie probably don't even realize it's a one take. Of course. Uh, like, like and, it's, it's, it's certainly not a, you know, a, it's not me trying to put down the effort that's being put in by the people that made this thing or oh, yeah, whatnot. It's just like, if I'm, you know, if I'm looking at this and I'm not being like completely blown away in the same way I was with other films that are shot either relatively cheaply, um, which many that have great action, like that are similar to these kinds of scenes have been done on a lot cheaper of a budget. This movie costs like $65 million. Like they put the money into it. What? Like it, <laughs> that kid, he, he demands like 25 million. So I was going to say like $65 million. Like when you talk about that, I would, like, my mind was literally blown. I was like, why does this cost that much? I mean, they filmed the whole thing actually in on India. That might be why. Yeah, no, I, I mean, there's a number of reasons, but I mean, yeah. what I'm saying is, I mean, if I'm matching this up to other movies that had even less means to accomplish what they're going for, yeah, it does. It doesn't stand up as much by in that way. And also, right. like, I just I I feel like I'm supposed to be more engaged by this, and I kept feeling like I was getting pulled out. So it's like, well, why am I missing this wow factor? So I just have to like examine that you yeah. know, that thread. And it's like it's it's also it's just a scene that it feels like it's it, it's very much trying to like ex- you know highlight this as opposed to making it feel narratively required. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, I can't say every other movie also makes these scenes like, you know, organic to the plot or what have you. I get that there's like a, a real time thriller aspect that makes that scene work as the way in the same way that it makes other scenes in other movies work that are like it. It just felt like it for all the hype that's coming into this movie based off the fact that it has this crazy over 10 minute action sequence. I was like, yeah, all right, it's pretty good. Like, I mean, the stunts are <laughs> the stunts are great and everything, yeah. uh, but like on a whole if I'm going to rank like one take action sequences, I, it would, I, it would maybe make a top 10, but not like a top five, I guess. I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I, well, to me, and by the way, if we're going to reference a one take or one or whatever, uh-huh. I, I, I will never let a conversation go by without mentioning Victoria. Oh yeah. Which if you haven't seen, you have to see it yeah. is to me, the crown jewel of doing this one shot deal. Gravity, a two and a half hour movie. Uh, Yeah, yeah, it's an actual one take. (laughs) They're all oneers, but they're not one take movies. Victoria, 
did they filmed the movie five times and they used like the third take or something. Wow. And that's the whole movie. <laughs> no yeah. cheats, no tricks. My, my lovely girl, we, we saw it um, the year it came out and that was on my top 10 that year. Like it was on both our top 10s that year. It's a, it's a fantastic kind of thrill ride of a movie. <laughs> so it, it does the job. But you're totally right though. Like this action sequence is, I'm letting it play by the way on mute while we're talking. <laughs> so I can just sort of have a visual reference and like, you know, it's, there are some really cool close quarter combat moments. Oh yeah. And, but they also feel like they feel so derivative of John wick. I can't help but bring that comparison to light in this sequence specifically. Yeah. But John, but the thing is, John wick is blue and this movie is brown. So I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's different. It's more of like a, more of like a yellow, <laughs> like yeah, a yellow. Yeah. It's like, like a, it's like it's a must sepia, but like mustardy sepia. Yeah. Someone took one of Soderbergh's cameras and was like, exactly. Right, let's use one of these filters. It's, <laughs> it is really funny to watch the behind the scenes clips by comparison because it's like it looks fairly normal you know i have been to a i have been to um not this country but i've been to a country that's often portrayed with this tone and oh weirdly enough it does like feel somehow i can't tell if movies have like put me in like that's what i was about to say that i was about to say is like i think movies are just trained you to think that this is the way it's supposed to look it's just like sun drenched and there's lots of browns and yellows in the paint right and and like it 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 it, but but it doesn't have to look like this in movies yeah no it doesn't i mean like what's weird about that yeah what's weird about that is like if you want to see a movie where it has that tint throughout just go watch Black Hawk Down. It's, it's a much yeah. better film. But, well, and, I mean, so, that, I'm so happy you said that, by the way, because although that's Ridley, I, I tweeted during this movie, I tweeted, I miss Tony Scott. Yeah, well, yeah. This oh. reminded oh. me of how yeah. much I miss Tony Scott. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If he was applying like Man on Fire style direction to this movie, it'd be insane. It'd like, be I, crazy. <laughs> I'll just say. Yeah. You'd, you'd have, like even the subtitles would be exciting to watch in this movie because this movie, the subtitles no, like, are crazy. There's like two RPG moments in this movie. Tony Scott would have like nailed those like multiple times over <laughs> yeah uh, speaking of like hell movies like that's why like again like mad max fear is such a miracle of a movie where it's like i remember the production stills are coming out and it's like gray dystopia and it's like yeah that's how they look then the movie comes out and it's like this wizard of oz technicolor dream of a film that's so colorful and bright <laughs> it's like why can't all dystopias look like this like this is beautiful to watch but um going back to the action of this beyond just the sure. long take you met, we mentioned a couple times now that the, like the whole storyboarding aspect of this film and how that was like a large component of it for sure. I don't deny that just because the action does look good in this. I don't want to deny. It. I don't want to like short shrift the fact that the action is very good in this movie. The fights, they are close quarters, and yes, it does have a kind of a John Wick reminder just because those are so recent as far as you know major action films. Same with the raid, but I do. I mean. If, if you're going to be derivative of something, I'd rather be derivative of something that I can see clearly as opposed to having, you know, uh, bad born takes from other directors sure. or yeah. whatever the hell Olivia Megaton's doing and his very in Liam Neeson's <laughs> taken sequels. This like the reaction's clear and brutal. Like I've never I've never at a loss for what's happening on the scene. And I right. very much like I feel like that's a big reason why Hargrave wanted to make this movie, why Hemsworth was like all on board with it, because it's like, yeah, not only are you seeing like the effort these guys put into working out for this kind of movie, but you actually get to see the the effort and the choreography pay off because you can see it all in one shot as opposed yeah. to, you know, multiple edits all ha- hacked together. Right. And I'm always thankful for that. Right. I'm always thankful for like a wider, a wider uh, angle viewing uh, viewing angle when you have people that are actually quote unquote fighting. Right. Um, when you add in people who actually can fight to it, 
then you get a John Wick type thing. Um, but um, and the ca- the camera goes where you need it to go at the given moment. There's yeah. like shots of like just a cat like it it the flow is good. I guess is what right. I'm trying to say. The and flow, and it's not even good. like the fight sequence per se. Like you know, there's a, there's a nice street fight sequence with Saju and and um, uh, and Rake Tyler Rake. Tyler but, Rake um, mercenary. Even before that, before when they're getting to that sequence, when they're when there's like um an apartment chase sequence. I was like, this is well done too. You know, like you can see what's going on here. It, it's not a lot of like close combat cuts, and it's clear that, like we said, there, there's choreography involved. And the director is a stuntman. Of course, he wants to show off uh, his people's work, right? So, and it's, uh, it's kudos it's by, for making it look good. It's shot by Newton Thomas Siegel too, who's like he's he was a Brian Singer's guy for a while. He's done some of George Clooney's movies. Like he, he's been around he's been around the world uh, doing like various kinds of films he, he shot drive i mean so, yeah there's interesting uh, to be to, to be um i know you don't want to do spoilers so i'll i'll keep it light it's not a spoiler but the, his name is the, the, the scene when the kid comments on his name mm-hmm. was genuinely funny to me <laughs> and, and 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 you realize though like this movie needed more laughs no, I, yeah. I don't want to. I'm not that guy. I don't want to be the guy who's like, I didn't laugh. The movie sucked. Uh, but because there are people like that. But oh, yeah. Um. It it needed more laughs. Like it yeah. needed comedy. It needed lighthearted moments to break up the intense action. That's what you do. That's what jokes are for. It, it and needed like, some more self awareness. Yeah, and we're talking about uh, you, when you. If I told you I wanted to make a movie in which a kid is going to be basically like teamed up unwillingly with Chris Hemsworth as a mercenary, you would assume that there's going to be a, a quite a few quips from the kid to him or back to the kid. And like, there's none of it. Now I get it in real life. There wouldn't be time for jokes. Um, although we do use humor to like, just to defer our own fear. So they actually probably would be funnier in real life, but like Black Hawk Down's got jokes. It's got yeah, some jokes no. in it. <laughs> and you know, there's military jokes, you know, that's the team thing happening but like th- this kid is so damn serious <laughs> he's so serious it's like, I, I know what you mean bro it brought it bothered me and then and to have him make that joke it almost felt like he made that joke off offset one day he was like asked him what his character's name was or something and he was like it's tyler rake and he said that you don't look like a tyler <laughs> and i just thought that was a really funny line and a moment that i wish was happening more often in the movie uh, but you know, it's not the movie. We, it's not the movie we got, so I right. accept it. But uh, I, I would have loved to have some more jokes. <laughs> Completely. Any other thoughts on uh, on extraction? I think we've talked about a lot of this film. Yes, yeah, more, more so than I thought. But yeah, that's good. You want to get back to the ending a bit? We didn't. We can wrap up there. Sure. I mean, Tyler or er, Tyler. <laughs> 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 Mike, uh, did you have some uh, some thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean it's um my 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 podcast co-host Alex from my other my my main podcast was uh-huh. had, friend of the show had, Alex Billington yeah yeah AB. Alex Billington he saw the he saw the movie a few hours before me and goes spoiler alert for ten seconds if you don't want to hear it uh, turn your volume down but he's like the ending is totally Inception. And I was like, what the hell does that mean? Sure. <laughs> so I went in very kind of like excited about the ending. And I do wonder how that affected my experience with the movie. 
And I do, I, I, people should, I, I think it would actually help people if they knew before the movie started that the ending is actually like something you're going to think about for even 10 extra seconds after the movie ends and to pay attention because it's a blink and you miss it moment too. But I, I think it's fascinating and I'm so curious, like all I want to do is ask the director at what point did that moment come up? Like when did you put that in? Because if it was like in the script, okay. If it was, well, they were starting to think about marketing and development and possible sequels. Well, that's a different thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, so, so uh, conceptually and visually, I think it's like, oh, that's neat. As far as the like kind of final moments of the film, when I the ten seconds after that, I'm thinking about, it's like my my thought was, wait a minute, <laughs> like what, <laughs> why, why would there be not the logic of how it would happen, but like, why would this even need to happen to begin with? Like, what what connection is that strong where it's like, you know, I I need to show you this thing. It's like for this character to notice. It's like, what, what's the what's the after for that? I guess it's like, was there a connection that that sure. that's that strong where it's like, well, clearly this they th- these things need to happen. That these things need to be together again for all the time that they shared or whatnot. Like it was just like a, there was too many questions in my mind where I'm thinking, okay cool as far as that's a fun final shot but as far as the implication of it i'm just not sure where that's supposed to go yeah yeah i'm pretty much uh in agreement there they this tried to no create a bond yeah. that didn't really they just they, they they worked they they worked a little over time trying to force a bond uh-huh. between the kid and hemsworth that i think only works because hemsworth is a likable guy and pretty much everybody knows Chris Hemsworth is likable. His yeah. character is fairly, you know, benign. Like he doesn't really, I don't feel anything for him. I don't I, either. And I think, I mean, I, if we're trying to, if I'm trying to pare down this movie, we can just wrap up with all this stuff. I, if we're trying to pare down, like why I'm overall, I'm like, I'm not huge on this movie. I think it's because I know Chris Hemsworth can be so likable. And it seems like this is him very much trying to like, not play that he's trying to like look i can be a serious action guy and i'm like i don't care about that though (laughs) like i don't i don't care that you can do this i just i want like like, i'm good great on you but like i prefer you to see you not doing this well there's even like quiet moments in this movie where he's you know just talking with uh, Ovi um at a safe house and i was like oh this just reminds me of uh when chris hemsworth was crying as thor telling us about how which was far everything. more effective because he's still <laughs> well, because you've had like li- eight movies to be with him but too. even that like he's still like like the way he's talking yes, to rocket raccoon is far yeah. more entertaining to me because of not only the context but because like he he's not playing down there there is a there is a kind of like humorous glint in his eye even as he's detailing these dramatic things and yes. making me feel bad for him like there's something right. there where this is just like Oh, you know, I have this generic backstory about my family not being around anymore, and I grew a beard. <laughs> and so it's just like, yeah, all right. <laughs> I, I look, I I think that it's so true that that it, maybe it took us this long to really get to it. I don't know, but it is, it should have been the first thing we said. This movie is not as good as it should be because it didn't take this character and and make him feel like a leading man's character. Yeah, and yeah. it's not. And I don't know whose fault it is if it has to be anyone's fault. And they just didn't seem just didn't seem like they thought about it. They didn't think about making a hero. And um, it it makes the movie just kind of watered down action. And it's like, yeah, I just I, did, 
I could care less if he dies. Mm-hmm. I could care less. Just kill him. Like at least then you have stakes in a movie and there's something different. You know, I, 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 I cared like we have talked about. I cared more about the other dude. Yeah. And and I didn't know I was supposed to until they committed a whole five minute scene to him unbreaking his nose. <laughs> yes. Like <laughs> like I was like, why are we watching this? And then I and then they sort of kept with him. And I was like, oh, he's I, like I a main character. Like, is this an Anton Chigurh moment where we're just seeing him like take the, the shotgun pellets out of his leg? <laughs> I did think about Anton Chigurh too, the way he walks into that. Like, yeah. But yeah. I would love to see more of that actor. He has a face for yeah, he has just a real like presence. Yeah, and I'm sure he's I, I'm sure he's Chris Hemsworth in his. Yeah, I, was gonna uh, say, I bet you he's the badass in all of his movies. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I do think this is one of those movies that we're gonna see things come from it, but not really anything connected to it. Like we'll see more of this actor, sure. or sure. we'll see like the lead of the uh, mercenary hiring squad that that woman we'll see her somewhere and like or more of sam hargrave you know getting to do you know stuff behind the camera outside of second yeah. unit photography or whatnot like i it's a great resume movie for sure like i i feel like i keep playing down stuff but like there's a lot of good stuff in this i'm not denying yeah. that and yeah. i like and i know we're you know we're reviewing it on a podcast so we're putting it under a microscope a little bit more it doesn't necessarily need that because of the type of movie it is but yes there are positive things to take away from it it does like overall have good elements i think that really work as far as if you're going to watch this on netflix then yeah you're not you're not you're not losing any money off of this this movie is 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 benefiting heavily from the quarantine if movies were releasing (laughs) every week in theaters this would not be something we talk about much i really i don't think that the the discussion around this movie would last more than a couple days like every netflix movie when the theaters are running and right now, there's we don't have any, we don't get anything. Like there's nothing. There's great TV. Um, there's great. There's like a, the occasional movie coming to us, but it's all just news about movies coming out in later in 2020 or in 2021. And we don't get to see anything until the theaters come back. And all these big movies that we want to see now, we know it's wrong to see them on our screens, no matter how good your home screen is. And that's a great segue into what would you rate this movie? Where should it where, Aaron, I think that you have a very interesting way of, of rating these Netflix movies. Yeah, uh, inspired by my little girlfriend. It's a matter of when should you stream this? Should you stream it, not stream it, or just kind of leave it in the queue? Mike, where, where, where should people, when should people watch this if they're watching it? Hmm. Where should people watch this if they're watching it? Like when? Like when? when should people watch this? Extraction? Yeah, should they watch it immediately? Sorry. Should they put it like at the top of the queue <laughs> um, right away, or should they not stream it at all, or should it just like kind of be in their look, list somewhere? Okay, I got you. I'm an advocate for watching every movie that exists, whether you think you're gonna like it or not. <laughs> just get, just <laughs> check a, it off. That's a good the philosophy list. in life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, check it off the list. I get too many friends who say, you know, who I'm like, Emma is a really good movie. Like, it's I really liked Emma. The action's pretty good in Emma too. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like I'm like, this is a good movie. I wish everybody would watch it. And I know a bunch of people I have, I am friends with, I like who would be like, I'm never gonna watch that movie. Are you kidding me? Same with like Little Women too. Like these are just, just watch movies. And I think Extraction is totally a just watch it. Just, just okay. you know, give yourself a couple hours, just watch it, and then it's over. And if you didn't like it, you can go watch something else. 
Yeah. But it's a very real possibility that you'll like at least some parts of it, and it'll be worth it. And Chris Hemsworth is a damn good-looking dude. He's easy to look at. And you don't see a lot of movies that take place over – you don't see a lot of movies that sort of take you to another world. Not literally, but in a travel figurative sense. I did like like that they shot on location. That made me happy. Yeah. it maybe maybe it's better to think of this movie as Chris Hemsworth as his character in Ghostbusters, who wants to be an actor, is playing the, is got the, Don't this role in this me. movie. Uh, they, should have, they should have given him glasses with no lenses then. Dude, do not tease me. If I could pick one movie character to put a movie around, it would be his Ghostbusters character. Hey, Sorry, where are you at? That happens every day in the White House. So. <laughs> I would say that, um, like what we established before, this is definitely a Netflix movie, but I don't think you need to stream it immediately. I think it's, I think it's more of like a Q movie. I'm kind of with you. Like, I, knowing what I know now, I'm like, yeah, all right. Like, I'd watch it eventually, but not necessarily right away. So it'd be like sitting right there behind, I don't know, whatever the hell else I have <laughs> like waiting right, to watch. Sure. Um, but it, it, isn't that the problem with Netflix, though? If you yeah, don't you watch it, a- never. It's Purple Frontier has been seen by, you know, everybody who watched it in the first week, and no one will ever find it again for the history of mankind. And I liked that movie. But if I told somebody, if I said Triple Frontier and asked somebody what that meant, they'd be like, I have no idea. What is that? And I'd be like, it's maybe like, oh, that one Casey Affleck movie where, uh, you know, uh, he's in Boston. Ben yeah. No, I know, I know. Oh, but okay. I, I was, I was like, it's, I it's missing it up. <laughs> yeah, um, like, but yeah, that, yeah, yeah. You have to watch this movie now, or you're never gonna watch it. That's that's yeah, my you're not wrong. I, I guess you're not wrong like, about it, that. That's, that's it like falls a... through the, it falls through the cracks. There's a lot yeah. of like Netflix stuff. Where I'm like, yeah, that'll probably be good. And then I'm like, I have it's two years later. I still haven't watched exactly. it. Exactly. Whatever. Like, we still haven't done our whole entire Netflix podcast, which we'll 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 design it and we'll uh, have some opinions about. But um, yeah, Aaron, did you? You said that this is also a Q movie? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Um, and, like, in terms of action movies, like, yeah, this probably has the best action, then Triple Frontier, then Emma. That just makes sense to me. So Yeah, when a Paltrow's great. Not that one. <laughs> no, <laughs> Not the, one new, the new Emma. Period. Emma, period. And yeah, no, Clueless has better action than that, Emma. Ugh. Yeah, exactly. From, uh, you know, Dr. Turk himself. Uh, yeah, Dr. Turk, he's busted. He and Breckenmeyer are busted heads in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, that's enough of that. That's our review of Extraction. Let's uh, let's move on to some out now feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. So we go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebook.com/slash now podcast. We ask a number of questions to the listeners. They give us answers, and then we got a question or two that we can answer. Um, first question here: What's your favorite action movie featuring an MCU star? Uh, Todd writes: Die Hard with a Vengeance with Samuel L. Jackson, Big Trouble Little China with Kurt Russell, The Matrix with Hugo Weaving and Lawrence Fishburne. Luke Thompson, friend of the show, writes, as a lead vehicle for an, MC, for, for an MCU lead, I'm fond of Lucy and even Ghost in the, Sh- the Ghost in the Shell remake. Also, Hurt Locker, which probably put Renner and Anthony Mackie on Marvel's radar to begin with. Chris has The Game with Michael Douglas, I guess, is the takeaway there. Snakes on a Plane <laughs> with Sam Jackson and also and Lucy with Scarlett Jansen. Uh, Justin has Scott Pilgrim vs. The World came to mind, I guess, for Chris Evans. Uh, or, yeah, Chris Evans. Uh, yeah, all right. Any favorite movies featuring Marvel stars as the leads? Yeah. Favorite action movies? That's such a... Uh, Pretty much not another teen movie, you know, with Captain America himself. He plays the Tark. He throws a That's a great reference. That's a fun movie, actually. I I, I do enjoy it. Fight Club is a... 
think about Edward Norton in his one take <laughs> as, as, as the Hulk and then going all the way out to Fight Club. There you go. Yeah, that's a good one. The Hurt, Locker, the Hurt, the Hurt Locker came to mind for me, honestly, with this when I first thought of this question. With Hawkeye? And also uh, and, and Black Falcon. Yeah, cut the check. Not Black Falcon, he's just Falcon. <laughs> I know, Black Falcon is Harrison Barnes' nickname for the for the NBA. I've, I've, always, I've always been a huge Lost in Translation fan, and that was back when Scarlett Johansson was like actually acting. I mean, I'm saying action movies because I keep saying Fight Club. <laughs> oh, dude, I missed that bit. Yeah, no, action movies of MCU. Action movies. <laughs> Have you not seen Lost in Translation, dude? There's so much. There's a action. dramatic car chase there. <laughs> okay, that changes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> hmm. Well, uh, then I'll go with. Um, I don't know. We'll talk about that on Twitter. That <laughs> sounds good. I don't want to answer. I feel like I'm going to say the wrong one. I'm going to just be disappointed since I'm already 0 for 2. If you think of one, feel free to shout it out. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's the Bourne movies with Matt Damon, who has a cameo in Thor Ragnarok, right? So that, that counts, right? He plays I'm gonna, Loki. I'm going to look at my five-star movies on Letterboxd and go. then come back to you. There you go. Good. All right, next question is, what's your favorite film featuring a rescue mission? Scott has Escape from New York, Saving Private Ryan, and Aliens. Mm-hmm. Uh, Todd has Star Wars, The Rescuers, and pretty much all of the Toy Story films. They involve some sort of rescue mission. Uh, Chris has Mad Max Fury Road and Aliens. Uh, Jeff has Tropic Thunder. Uh, Justin <laughs> has, of course, Star Wars is my all-time favorite, and have we talked about Black Hawk Down before for personal reasons. <laughs> favorite movies involving a rescue mission. I mean, it's got to be Predator, right? You know, they're they're there to save those uh, American soldiers, and then all of a sudden they just get hunted. That is supposed to be a rescue mission. So yeah, they, I mean, it yeah. starts off as a rescue yeah. mission. Yeah, we're not mercenaries. Not like Dylan. <laughs> yeah, Jurassic... I had him pushing too many pencils. Does Jurassic Park count? The second one's a rescue mission. The third the third one. The third one's a rescue mission. The third one has a, the kid with the dinosaur pee. Yeah, exactly. I'm realizing how many movies I love that are borderline rescue movies, but not really rescue movies. Like E.T. <laughs> it's not a rescue movie, but it's, <laughs> isn't it kind of? If you look he's, at it he's from an perspective, he's trying. He's trying to make it. Yeah. I mean, I guess like they have, they can evolve into that plot line. I guess I'm just thinking like from the outset, the goal yeah, yeah. of the, the movie's like intention yeah. is like this is what you're on a mission. You have to do this thing, kind of. Of mission. course. All right. One more question. Have, you know when you have your brain is so flooded with movies all the time that it's impossible when someone asks you a movie question to actually answer it? Yes. I That's have me. Been Every day. Every day. The <laughs> <laughs> well, last question we have here. The Russos have placed Chadwick Boseman and Chris Hemsworth in 90s-style action movies. Who should be next, and should it be a different style? we got one answer here from Scott Mendelson, friend of the show. Offhand, among MCU folk, Kobe Smulders, Winston Duke, Daniel Kaluuya, and Andy Serkis should all be the next for Russo action movies. Hmm. Yeah, dude. Give me some of that more Winston Duke uh, from us, where he's just like a dorky dad, but then all of a sudden he goes uh, gangbusters. So he's like in a Taken. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Paul Rudd, anything with Paul Rudd, any action movie with Paul Rudd would be up, would be high on my list. Clueless, which we talked about earlier. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you put, I would love to see Paul Rudd get ripped. And just, I mean, he's already pretty ripped. He is in those Ant-Man movies. He's kind of ripped in those Ant-Man movies. He's required to to show the abs, as everyone is in these movies. He is ripped. (laughs) I'd love to see him just be 
pure action hero throwing he's see this is right like the he's naturally funny although if you actually pay attention to chris hemsworth you find that he is hilarious and uh you just let paul rudd be paul rudd but as an action hero who's just like kicks so much ass i would love to see like the closest example i have to that is owen wilson in behind enemy lines like that Mm -hmm. that that's the general go-to as far as like it's owen wilson but look now he's you know he's he's air force or navy in that movie yeah air force yeah air force right and he's behind enemy lines and he's got gene hackman's in there Uh uh-huh and he's saying things like we gotta get our man back (laughs) from the trailer (laughs) (laughs) man i miss gene hackman uh, are there any questions that, that everybody yeah, asks us? We got, we got a question here. Yes. Um, it's from Chris. He writes, is it just me, but I was fuming at the beginning of Extraction because of how it started. Why, why, why do people still do this? And I asked if he was referring to the in-media res opening, and he said, yes, that's the phrase I was looking for. Why do we still do in-media res openings for movies? Well, we, we explained it pretty well for this podcast, but overall, I think that people do in-media res because they think it's cool, um, and because they, they kind of want you to, to think back to, like, they want to have audiences have like the, oh, now we're back moment. And what I think about primarily when this question came up was um, Don't Breathe, where, you know, you see um, uh, Avatar Batty dragging this this girl across this, the streets of Michigan. Um, so I was like, you know, I think it's just more of like a we'll get to this point and then you'll see where everything like has built up to. I mean, the, it never bothers me unless they use it to lie um it's one thing to create a false sense of um like what's going to happen yeah it's another thing when they show the scene completely differently later not from a different perspective not like oh the scene continues and this is what actually happens but like just to lie to you sure yeah i really really don't like that it's very little that i don't like about movies period like i'll find something to like but that pisses me off (laughs) and 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 i don't think that that's what happens in this but they do sort of string you on a little bit and they definitely establish something right i get it from a writing perspective i think they're actually very valuable when you have a movie that doesn't start with a bang like i do think it's kind of important either you have a movie that starts with a heavy action sequence when we're talking about action movies um or you give yourself some kind of character beat that people can look forward to later down the road to kind of just sort of hook them in. Yeah. And I mean, it just it it works to me sometimes. It just depends on the competence of the filmmaking, I guess is the best way to put it. Like, because I, I don't think it's a inherently bad thing. For a movie like this, I didn't necessarily mind it, but at the same time, it it's just like, well, I my movie brain works too hard <laughs> where I'm like. I can't deny that I know so many beats just because of this scene. Like I could, I could, I could piece this together too well. That's not a thing for everybody, obviously. And even I'm not one that like, I'm not the guy that predicts like how movies are going to end. Like that's not, that's not, I'm the kind of guy that gets caught up in things enough where I don't have to consider, even when movies I've seen 10 times, I'm still caught up in the emotion of the moment. I don't worry about like where it's going, but at the same time, you're like, wait a minute, Patrick, so is dead and ghost. (laughs) But sometimes just like, my my brain like just moves too quickly to be like all right i i get this and this is the kind of movie where there's so many specifically this movie this one has so many cliches in it as far as the things that are going <laughs> on even like the where that bridge stuff goes is like i know how this is gonna play out like sure. just from this scene so it's 
as a whole, in meter is not like a deal breaker for me. I just, you know, I think some filmmakers are just better utilizing it than, or some scripts or stories are better utilizing it than others. Snowpiercer. That's my answer to the first question. There you go. (laughs) Best action movie, my favorite action movie starring a Marvel actor, non Marvel, right? Two of them. Snowpiercer. Two? Tilda Swinton. Oh, oh yeah, Tilda Swinton. <laughs> yeah. And in, in another universe, uh, then, Jamie Bell. Jamie Bell is the thing in Fantastic Four. <laughs> and then I'm pretty sure Ed Harris is getting a good role some, somewhere down the line. I'm surprised Ed Harris, ha- he's been too stuck in Westworld. He hasn't been in the MCU yet, but he'll be in there, right? He'll be in there. He'll be like uh, Mariner's dad. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Kang Ho Song gets in Marvel. Oh, for sure, yeah. yeah. He'll, be, he'll be like, you know, they'll cast him in Guardians 3. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that was feedback. Feedback. That was feedback. feedback. Let's uh, let's move on now. Let's get to our uh, our next segment we have here. If you want to yeah. introduce what we're going to talk about for the next uh, twenty minutes or so. Yes. So we've got a segment here, and again, this is uh, this is post Bloodshot era. So because movies have been either delayed or not going to be released in twenty twenty, one of the things that we thought about, which would be fun, is kind of just if you had two hundred dollars, max two hundred dollars, and every movie that you want to see was fifty dollars each. What are the four movies that you would want to see immediately right now that are not going to be released in 2020? It could be from the comfort of your home or from a clean and shiny, bright, you know, Dolby theater or an IMAX theater. Whatever theater you're choosing, it's going to be nice, clean, friendly. But $50, which is a movie price that not a lot of people would pay, uh, but we certainly are paying it here. And I'd be curious to hear what some of these are. We're going to go through them. Uh, we're going to have everybody here on the show talk about their first pick, second pick, third pick, fourth pick. So... Mike, you are the guest du jour. Uh, Mike, what is the first movie that you would pay $50 to see? Tenant. Tenant. Okay. Aaron, is this also on your list? I mean, I think we all have Tenant, so we might as well just get it out of the way, right? Anybody, I don't anybody, have yeah. Tenant. You don't oh, have Tenant. No. Okay. <laughs> but uh, for you guys, obviously, this was going to come out fairly soonish. July 17th. Yeah, and uh, it was going to... Obviously, I've thought about this. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, still, it's still scheduled to come out. We'll see what happens, but it's not we'll actually actually moved yet. But I mean, yeah, Mike, go into it. Why why, why was Tenet a film that you definitely want to see oh, dude. right away? Anybody who knows me knows I'm a just diehard. I named my dog after Christopher Nolan. Partially Nolan Ryan, too. I'm a big Nolan guy. It's just where I'm... It's I was going to say, your, do- your dog's, Wait, your dog's name is Christopher Nolan Ryan? No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, this is Nolan. Just Nolan. It gives, you, it gives me Christopher Nolan and Nolan Ryan because I love movies and I love baseball. Um, but the um, Go sports team. I, I mean, this is a movie that everybody I, I I assume is looking forward to. Not not to assume that you'd pay fifty bucks to see it, but like I I have been waiting a year since I first heard he was making it that I've been ready for another Christopher Nolan original film, and so I'm I've and I, man I'm chomping at the bit to see it. And I would, I think this is a movie that if I could properly prepare myself with um, coverings and like a, a pocket full of wipes for every 20 seconds or something, just sit in a bath of Clorox and and ultraviolet rays per the uh, per, per per instructions from the top, I would watch this movie. I um, I. I tried to, for one thing, this list was fairly easy for me to make. I'll just say that right now. Like, I was yeah, actually yeah. surprised by how easy it was for me to narrow down. Because I'd certainly looked through everything. But in making this list, I, want, I, I get your premise. And so I wanted to make, like, what am I just, 
I'm just putting in myself position like what am I not gonna see? Like what am I not seeing all year? This has all happened. What what am I definitely just it's just out of the question, even though all of these are like done. That's how I tried to premise this to like make it as dire as possible. So like yeah, I'm paying of fifty dollars to see. And so yeah, Tenet was an easy one for me because if I'm going to, you know, what we talked about this last week, as far as the big screen experience goes, nothing tops like an IMAX kind yes. of experience. Right. And I feel like, and I think, I, actually, I think all four of my films qualify for this, but Tenet is going to be the most, like, I think, inventive for use of the format as far as what Nolan's capable of doing, as far as putting his ambition and scale on screen. It's going to be the one that does the most with the fact that it's being shot for IMAX. And so that's something right. I definitely want to see on screen. Not to mention, yes, it's an original movie. It's not a sequel. It's not a remake or what have you. It's doing something. It's going to be doing something innovative. It has, you know, people I like it. It's got John David Washington as the lead. It's involving yes. some sort of time travel. We're not exactly sure on how that's working yet. But like all of those elements make it, you know, something that's going to be unique. Um, it's going to work for Nolan, and it's going to be presented in this kind of massive format that I would not want to miss out on. Mm-hmm. As to, 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 to just say one other thing, though, about it, it's not yeah. – I want it now. I want it this year. Of course. I'm, I am overdue for a new Nolan movie. But I, I really just boggles my mind that they don't see this as just not necessary to really even release this year. Like if they're not going to do October – I get like I'm, I'm up to date. I know. I understand all the reasons that they're not moving it. They're dumb, but I get it. <laughs> This is a movie that just doesn't have to happen right now. It, 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 there's no tie-ins. There's no. It's not like oh, you know, if we don't release it this year, then we can't get Tenet Two released it two years later. We're gonna lose <laughs> the actors and the contracts that we have them on, like Wonder Woman or other movies where it's like contractually they really do probably want to get these things out so they can keep making more. Mm. I get it. This movie is an original movie. It doesn't have to happen this year. We can wait till next year. It'll be fine. I will cry about it but not you know <laughs> it's, but it doesn't have to come out this year i don't know what they're doing this is why you're paying 50 dollars for it it is <laughs> I, that's why i would pay 50 dollars, but i really hope they make a smart decision on how they handle it because it's the last one it's they, the they one will. that's holding yeah uh the, one of the movies on my list is uh top gun maverick uh top gun maverick is a movie that i paid 50 dollars to see right now some of you guys might be there scratching your head i'm like that's exactly why because I need to see if it's good. <laughs> I need to see what happens with Maverick, why he's still a captain, because Ed Harris is berating him in the trailer. And then I need to see what all this action sequence that Tom Cruise made these people learn how to fly jet planes, what it looks like. Like We, took, we just talked about Tony Scott, too. It's like Tony Scott actually, for what he did for Top Gun in, in 86, yeah, amazing. You know what I mean? Like he he was like the Navy was like, hey, we'll let you shoot here for like seven days on this aircraft carrier. And the footage that he has is, is spectacular. So I am curious what's going to happen in Top Gun Maverick because it's a fun popcorn movie and we all need that right now. Mm-hmm. I'll Plus say everyone this. looks jacked in the in the in the trailer for, you know, I I need some motivation to, to work out here. In terms of wanting to see it, like, sure, it's Tom Cruise. Like, he generally makes a good thing. I, I'm not the biggest fan of the first Top Gun. <laughs> and, oh, I know. Like, and, like, in the, I, don't know, I prefer Days of Thunder. And the um, <laughs> the no, the notion of, is it going to be good or not, is just, like, I know Tenet's going to be at least good. <laughs> like, that's the difference <laughs> I have there. Where, like, sure, they made another Top Gun. I didn't necessarily need another Top Gun, but they made it. 
and you know i'm curious but that's you like know, that's not that's not enough for me to be like well that's what 50 dollars needs to go to this movie that may be good versus movies that i know are going to be good. i didn't i didn't know uh i didn't know that i needed another top 10 either but then you know when you get mcquarrie and, and tom crucia then they they kind of do some fun stuff so give me this in a dolly theater i'll pay 50 dollars to see you see it and uh, i mean my number two is it yep bang <laughs> dude i'm hit me up I... mike What's going on here? What's your thought process? I love I anybody who knows me also knows that I love Top Gun. Uh, <laughs> I I have been I've suck I've been suckered into buying it originally on Blu-ray after to replace my DVD and then in 3D when I got a 3D TV for a stretch and now in 4K because I'm a sucker for Top Gun and. <laughs> I just yeah, I just love. It. I think it's hilarious unintentionally, but I also think it's awesome with intentionally um, with the action. And I it's a total guilty pleasure movie for me. So the fact that they're going to make a sequel with the new Tom Cruise because he is a different <laughs> Tom Cruise. <laughs> There's three Tom Cruises. There's a young Tom Cruise trying to be a, a, a like a sex figure. Uh-huh. There's middle Tom Cruise becoming an action star, but still like you know acting and now there's he's still a good actor but now there's tom cruise who's strictly speaking a stunt coordinator in an actor's career sure. I know what you mean. and i love this version of tom cruise i'm so excited if he could just go redo i'll do a sequel to every movie he's ever made in this format this way i'm so pumped for it and i think honestly like oblivion and a Oblivion was great. I really I like liked Oblivion. it. We really like and I, Oblivion on this podcast. Yeah. Good, good. And Tron Legacy kicks ass. And what I think is great about this is it seems to be another Tron Legacy situation in which, you know, Kaczynski wants to make this movie. He didn't, nobody said, hey, will you make Top Gun 2? Because the studio is really trying to just make this happen. No one cares. Just make it. He seems like he wants this just as much as Tom Cruise wants it to be good. And that's what made Tron Legacy good. Kaczynski wanted Tron Legacy to work. So I'm, I have high hopes, actually, for Top Gun 2. Not just that I think it'd be fun and I'm happy to see the franchise happening, yeah. but I just want to see it. I think it's going to be kick-ass. Visually, I have no doubt it's going to be pretty spectacular. I just, I, <laughs> I'm very curious what the, what the context will be, like what the, how they do to justify. It. And I think Rickory is a smart enough guy that it'll probably, you know, match in that manner. Right. This the fact that they have like good movie. actors is a good sign. Like a lot of all the other people in this movie are people I like. That's the benefit of having Tom Cruise. Exactly. Like, <laughs> he can he can make you're gonna get make those yeah. choices. I mean, I'd argue, I'd you're gonna argue get the Jennifer Connellys. You're gonna get the you know, John, John Hamm, Miles Tellers, and and the uh, who, who's the other guy from uh, Everybody Wants Some? Glenn, Glenn Powell's of the world. I love Glenn Powell. Great. I'd argue there's four Tom Cruises because there's that 90s stretch <laughs> where he's just in dramas, like he's not doing action at all. Where he's actually no, trying to be a serious actor. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Ditch the action for a minute. Let's act. Yeah, give me some more far and away time. No, I'm just he has all the he has <laughs> far all the lizard, great. He has all the lizard skins he shed on the way to those two. <laughs> I think the cool uh, kid was like, "Hey, dude, you should try acting for real for once." And then he's and then he, he and he tried it. And it. you know, people people recognize it, but they also didn't really give him much much love. This is like a different Tom Cruise podcast I'll there. But uh, Aaron, what is it, what's uh what's the second movie? It doesn't have to be number two per se, but what's the second movie? I didn't your... I didn't rank any of these. Yeah, exactly. Um, Neither did I. Uh the next let's see. Which which one do I want to talk about next? Uh <laughs> all right, yeah, the next one is one that I've already seen. Um what? yeah, it's Beastie Boy Story. Okay. Um 
I watched it this on Friday. It came out yeah. on Apple TV Plus. Um, and I, outside of Tenet, this was the movie I was most excited to see in IMAX this year. Right. And I was, I mean, obviously things changed and that just wasn't possible anymore. But they were going to debut this film in IMAX first before it dropped on Apple TV. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was going to be spectacular because I am a huge Beastie Boys fan. And what better way to see a new Beastie Boys live performance art show that retraces their history directed by Spike Jones than to watch it on a giant IMAX screen. Right. And that would have been spectacular. Great sound. Great sound, for sure. Having seen the film now and liking it very much, I kept thinking this would have been so much fun to see with like a huge audience mm-hmm. on a giant IMAX screen. Like the format of the film itself is done like a, it's like they're they're basically doing like a two man show where they're on stage. They have like graphics behind them going over their history, but they're like they're doing like a big TED talk about the whole like their whole like <laughs> how they became the Beastie Boys and everything. But it's like wildly entertaining, yeah. and it's like they 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 like they toured this show around the country, and like Spike Jones is like there live, like adding in the like spe- the the sound effects and video clips and what have you, and like they mess up occasionally, and they leave that all in. So it's like it's very fun. It's like a very like it's not quite interactive, but you certainly have the sense that you're like you're sitting there in the audience like watching this thing. Right. And so I I I really miss the fact that I didn't get to see this in IMAX. So like if I, if the opportunity presented itself. This is definitely one that I would have wanted to see. I'd pay fifty dollars to see this thing because I thought it would it'd be like going to a, a concert, except there's no music, just people talking about music. Right. <laughs> but, I mean, well, because was... you've already seen it, I'll you can just Venmo me fifty dollars. Yeah, I'll do. Yeah, so, I'll get, thank get you. Right on that. <laughs> I, I yeah, I mean, this was going to premiere over at, by, at South by Southwest as well, and people were kind of disappointed because South by Southwest was canceled due to uh-huh. uh, post bloodshot era, and you know, music movies, music documentaries. Is this a documentary or, or a movie? Well, it's a. I mean, you mentioned it's a, TED it, Talk. It's a it's a film it's a filmed live performance. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that stuff is it's, always it, fun it's to edited. Watch. To, it's edited together from like multiple performances, so yep. you have like the like the ideal one version for a movie. But yeah, so it's presented that way. Okay. I would I would like to see that. Right. Um, Mike, any thoughts on that or your second movie? Oh, well, my second. second his second yeah. was Top Gun. Oh, Top Gun. Okay. Uh, yeah. my second movie here, First Dispatch. I saw this trailer and I was like, I need to see this movie immediately. Like, I don't even care. I think I said this on the show when we were talking about the trailer back when we did trailer talk. Um, <laughs> that was like such a while ago. Uh, I don't see, I don't want to see anymore. I don't, I, I kind of like didn't, didn't even pay attention to like the dialogue or like the script or whatever they were saying. I was like, just give me this movie right now. Inject this into my veins kind of thing. Um, and I still feel that way. It's like, yeah, of course I want to see a new Wes Anderson movie. Of course I'm going to pay $50 to go see it in like a nice theater by myself in a clean and safe environment. Give me it right now. French Dispatch. It was on my list, by the way. I took it off. Did we name three of them already? <laughs> I took it off. Oh, I was like... It's in yeah. my honorable mentions. I have a lot of honorable mentions. Oh, you got honorables? Oh, I should have kept my honorable. We're not I should have kept a few around mentions. for honorables. This is $200 only. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. My bank gave me an honorable mention. Uh, <laughs> I might the, give you an extra 50. We'll see. The um, yeah, I love Wes Anderson so much, but I also kind of feel like I can handle watching his movie at home. Like I almost feel like this yeah. is the, a, a sort of requirement for me. With this was, I have to see like I'm seeing these movies in a theater, sure. and I know I'm not going to get COVID. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That is that is the <laughs> yeah. initial premise. Yes. Which is okay. like, that's how I yeah that's that's how I got down to four movies. Or sure. Like these are ones that are yeah I. That's how you should have. 
as much as I want to see the French Dispatch, it's not one where it's like, compared to these other four that I've chosen, uh-huh. I, I don't need it to be in a theater necessarily. I prefer it for sure, and I yeah. wouldn't choose it otherwise. But <laughs> the nice thing about about Wes Anderson, and I would say this also applies to Terrence Malick, is people don't go to their movies by accident. So you don't tend uh-huh. to be in a theater of people who have a lack of respect for what they're seeing, yeah. where you do get that, especially with action movies or big, or like Chris Nolan movies, for example. Like like people are just there because it's the movie. Yeah, it's the movie of the week. Um, and Wes Anderson is now and Terrence Malick are both filmmakers who I feel like everybody knows they either like or hate them. <laughs> and so very, you go to the, true. you know you go to the theater knowing that you like them, probably not because you hate them. Yeah. So you're with like-minded people. Mike, what is the third movie that you'd pay fifty dollars to go see? I got Godzilla vs Kong. Ooh, yeah, so I was I. almost bored to that one. So, so, so do I. <laughs> That's this should, this should be obvious to anyone that listens to our podcast. <laughs> yeah, I was like, when I was reviewing the movies. I was like, Aaron's probably gonna have this on his list. <laughs> nice. Yeah, uh, yeah. Come on. That's like a. I am. I was so excited for that one because this. I mean, it, I, I, I. The last one. King of the Monsters was had some of the most incredible moments that I like. I forced my wife to watch that movie, though she had no interest, because I was like, "You have to see this scene with Mothra. It's so cool, and you'll even think she's cute." Uh, and <laughs> and like and the ending, like that visual, that last shot. I didn't uh-huh. love Godzilla: King of the Monsters. I thought it could have been better, but I still enjoyed it. Like I do every movie of that Scott, that size and scale. But that last shot, I was so amped up for for Godzilla vs Kong. Like I was. I ran out of the theater wanting this movie to, to exist right now because I just can't wait to find out how the hell Kong is going to fight Godzilla. How could he possibly survive? Well, he's going to be a lot bigger. He will be bigger, but like <laughs> he's fighting a nuclear Godzilla, essentially. So I'm very excited they, to find they out. They yeah, fought before. I know. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he, he was born and bred on like an island that that you know has a bunch of lava. You know, he's he's gonna be fine. He's been yeah. He's but been it's back. like it's like it's like fighting with your fists against a flamethrower, a guy with a flamethrower. I so. mean, he had to fight Samuel L. Jackson. That's hard enough. Kong is Kong is very smart. <laughs> I know. That's why I'm excited. I don't know how this <laughs> yeah. is gonna work, and I'm, that's what gets me going about it. So I'm I'm pumped for it. Aaron, yeah, thoughts is- on this? This was a no-brainer for me because I'm a massive Godzilla fan. I love King Kong. The I've been very much a huge fan of this monster verse that Warner Brothers put together. It's my favorite cinematic universe right now. <laughs> um, so, I the 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 idea that this is going to take place is you know very exciting to me. I in terms, I mean, this is another one that would be like in IMAX. Uh, I think, I mean, even the last cho- choice I have, I presume there's going to be some, maybe some premium screen experience i mean that's a huge factor in all of this for me as far as like not only seeing it on the theater but seeing it in like the kind of format i can't replicate in my own home godzilla vs kong is a movie that's all about scale that's a huge part of these whole all of these monster movies in general is the fact that the it's not just that you're seeing it projected large but the requirement of the film is that you recognize the fact that these are titans these are huge beings that are existing amongst tiny humans so that's something I definitely would want to see on a big screen. The added bonus is I'm seeing Godzilla and King Kong fight in a movie together, <laughs> which is like that's that's so in a in a modern movie no less. I mean yeah. last year, as I was a huge fan of King of the Monsters, there's the the fact that I was able to see Rodan, King Ghidorah, and Mothra on a giant screen with 2019 visual effects 
is like why why else do I go to the movies than this? So the fact that I'm going to get a King Kong versus Godzilla movie where it's going to look as like good as it possibly can right now, that's very exciting to me. And I'm just I also yes I'm very narratively concerned with what's going to take place in this. I have various theories that are all very exciting just based off my fandom for this franchise because there's all kinds of Godzilla neat <laughs> related things that could take yeah. place based off the history of this of this series. Uh, so yeah, all of that. Adam Wingard's directing. Oh, I, I, is, I, is Michael Doherty still directing? But I guess no. Mike, Adam Wingard's on here from uh, the guest and uh, the horror movie guy. Yeah. Oh. Uh, okay. uh, so it's like I and like the and him and um, Edwards and Michael Doherty, they've all kind of like collaborated in various ways as far as like getting to this point. So not like, like uh, the Star Wars saga, huh? Uh, <laughs> no, no, no one's holding <laughs> massive resentment towards each other and like secretly keeping it off frame. <laughs> and, and the script has like really hard jabs at, it, at each director. <laughs> and I can only hope that because the movie was going to come out in March and then it moved and then it moved again for various, you know, reasons that are linked to all yeah. of this stuff taking place. I can only hope that that's allowed time for them to really shape what's happened. I don't like to go off like pre-release rumors too much, but the fact that it's apparently screened very well for preview audiences makes me very happy. But I mean, yeah. What if, what if just... they just showed like the original one instead of this one when they were pre-screening for the other audiences? They're just like, hey, here's this old like Japanese version of this. People are like, well, that this makes is me a... very that makes me very impressed that a 2019 audience would be impressed by 1965's uh, Godzilla versus King Kong versus, King Kong versus yeah. Godzilla. That's a good movie. <laughs> 63, um, but uh, 62. Um, a cellophane wrapped octopus fights uh, uh, King Kong in that movie. Yeah. And it's awesome. It's great. Um, <laughs> but but uh, no, yeah, there's, I, I, I can't wait to see Godzilla vs. Kong, and I, yeah. it'd be very, it'd be easily be one of the ones. Sounds like a hundred dollars well spent. Mm-hmm. Um, the third movie that I would have here is The Eternals. Um, a, because it's directed by Chloe Zhao, which I've been very curious ever since I saw the writer. Um, B, also because Kumail Nanjiani is super huge now, and I'm just like, what happens here? Is this like, is this a, a um, uh, what should we call it? a Shazam type thing where you know he he just all of a sudden inherits new powers and he's super buff in one sequence. I don't know. We'll see. But as far as like the the next phase of the Marvel universe goes, yes, of course, there's other movies that come out um, in parallel to this. But I am very curious to see how they deal with new directors for one, but also these these new characters, so to speak. Um, so Eternals uh, is something that I would pay fifty dollars to go see right now in theaters. Yeah, I mean it's a new Marvel movie, so like my expectation is like, yeah, it'll you know baseline is good for that series, so it's, yeah. you know it's not it's not hard for me to be like, yeah, there's a new Marvel movie coming out. Like I, yeah. I have no connection to the comics, the Eternals, they're all like gods, so like he's gonna just start out being jacked, super like, jacked. Like, okay, yeah, right. so. this this is a uh, what, what was that one movie uh, directed by? Uh, I forget. Never mind. <laughs> good story. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And then you found 20 bucks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, well, yeah, definitely pay for dollars to go see that. Uh, Mike, what's the, what's the last movie that you had to pay for dollars that you'd see almost immediately? I didn't like the I, – I, my first three were really easy, and then I have like five for the fourth <laughs> That's slot. That's not but, how $200 works. <laughs> I'm going to sneak around the theater after I pay 50 for one ticket. Uh, I had to just – I think I had to just go with No Time to Die. Okay. I mean, I mean, I mean, all my movies are big tentpole movies, and it's I, 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 I am a big Bond fan. Um, not the kind of person who could like, like when someone says they're a Godzilla fan, they know like everything that's ever happened on screen with Godzilla. 
including backstory and side characters. Like I just love Bond movies. I'm not a, I'm not knowledgeable though. Fair enough. So, but I'm very excited for this. Uh, and I've, I've really, I feel like I've just connected with the, the Daniel Craig bonds, even though Brosnan is still my bond. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love these movies. They're narratively in, compelling and interesting. And I, I think uh, Rami Malek's going to do something kind of interesting. And um, I'm also just like, uh, who doesn't love Ana de Armas? So it's really like, I just want to see another Ana de Armas movie. <laughs> I think at the end of the day, nobody can blame you. Yeah. So that's, that that's, that's, that's no time to die. I just want her to be happy, man. <laughs> and if her dating another celebrity means we get more pictures, uh, fine by me. Well, we talked about uh, Bond 25 uh, a couple weeks ago as well. I think we were all, we were all excited about it, Aaron more so. Um, but then uh, Marcus and I were very curious about the director, Corey uh, Fukunaga. Well, that's uh, the, the main reason. I, I really like this choice for the director. <laughs> like it's like this, right. I, I'm a huge Bond fan, and so the idea of getting someone interesting like that to like helm this project, that's a good yeah. reason. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Aaron, I mean, that? True Detective Season 1 puts him up there forever as a director I'd like to see do anything. Of course, yeah. He's, his visual style is very, like... Mm-hmm. He has a very, piece of no nation, nice too. eye for the art of it. So I'm very curious. True Detective, there's a there's a, a show with a giant one-shot sequence that's excellent. Six minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um, Aaron, what's the last movie that you have that you'd pay $50 to go see? So we- it, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's not necessarily a tie. It's more an either-or. Because oh, I and I'll say why because they're, they're 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 accomplishing similar things as far as what they're doing. So I see the way that you snuck in so, five movies here. Yeah, but I mean, it, either way, I'd be I'd be happy to see either one of these is the best way I can put it. But it's West Side Story and In the Heights. Oh, um, I see. okay. So I mean, they're both you know tackling similar areas in time and what have you, mm-hmm. uh, and they're both you know giant elaborate uh, musicals. I I. You know, it's easy. I could go for the tent poles, and I have for two of these, and they're, you know, they're going to be a lot of fun. They're going to do what they need to do as far as satisfying me in that way. I think there's a lot of potential in seeing either one of these movies as far as like what kind of impact they'll have on audiences, but also just what they'll deliver on screen. And we've seen more of In the Heights just because it has a trailer, and it's going to be this big, giant, colorful, you know, adaptation of Lin Manuel Miranda's uh, musical for his Broadway show. At the same time, it's Steven Spielberg on West Side Story, so I'm not right. going to like not expect that to be as extravagant as it can, even if John Skavinsky is going <laughs> to blow out the lights. And lights I was going to say gonna like do. you're going to get a lot of backlighting. But regard like all the all the set photos like that he keeps like putting up online are like full of color and life and everything. So it's like I'm not concerned about whether or not Spielberg is going to do a good job with a musical. He's been wanting to do a musical all of his career. I'm just finally happy to you know be able to see it. So. I I think the you know experiencing something like that in a big screen is going to you know just be super enjoyable. Like West Side Story is basically my favorite musical as far as movies go. So I mean that you know doing that updated in its own way, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of like opportunity there to do something really interesting with it. Especially again because I think you know Spielberg has has the talent to do something like that. And if it you know if it's in the Heights, I mean. John M. Chu has done he's he's done some so the the step the the good step up movies two three and four or sorry not four four is the bad one uh two and three <laughs> um among other things that he's been involved with right. that I've enjoyed to varying degrees that have been uh, large and spectacular yeah so you know combining 
you know, the, the a bigger budget or at least, you know, some a scale that matches some of his, you know, tentpole stuff with the ability he brought to the step up movies that I enjoy. I think there's a lot of potential there. So either way, I'm getting something out of this that I'm really looking forward to seeing on, you know, this kind of level. And that would be great for, you know, big screen representation of a giant musical dance fest where you generally just feel good afterwards. Yeah. Colorful, large. Yeah. Uh-huh. Both in New York. Uh, uh-huh. You're gonna probably be sitting next to like Michael uh, Michael Bay in West Side Story because you know he loves that movie as well. Um, he is a he's a big West Side Story fan. He is, yeah, that's not a lie. <laughs> so cool. Well, that's a that's a good way to cap it off there in terms of like your musical number, especially the way that you said something really made me sad at the end there, where you're like, you know, you're gonna leave the theater feeling good. It's like, yeah, I would need that. <laughs> so <laughs> there's also I, I don't know if you guys are big sports fans but like when after 9-11 baseball was this sort of thing mm-hmm. that was rallied around and new york was obviously where where everybody had their eyes and the yeah. yankees playing and then ending up going to the world series like it it was an incredible story and i feel like once again new york being the epicenter of things that we're all going through having two big boisterous musicals that center around New York is going to be some cultural significance. I think we're all going to rally around and it could be really cool. Yeah, definitely. As long, agree. As, as long as it's seen during West side story or in the Heights, when like Spider-Man swings in and starts <laughs> getting beat up and like the, in like um, <laughs> Tony and the gang are like, you can't beat up on Spider-Man. Yes. You hurt one of us. You hurt all of us. I was going to make the same reference. <laughs> the cranes. Or yeah, they stand all the cranes together. <laughs> well, the last movie that I have on my list here that I paid fifty dollars to go see right now is Halloween Kills. Uh, I would, yeah. I, I definitely was shocked by Halloween when we when it came out a couple of years ago. Um, the the movie by David Gordon Green and, and co-written by um, Danny McBride. I was kind of blown away. I was like, oh wow, this is a really good actual movie, but also it's a nice. Uh, turn to give the franchise some some like more. I don't know about groundedness, but it certainly gave it some more Laurie Strode that I never thought that I ever needed. Um, and I am curious about this because the way that it ends, sure, you can say a lot of things about the way that it ends. I'm talking about Halloween, but for Halloween Kills, I was like, of course I'd go and see this right away because it would it left me on such like a springboard of like what's gonna happen next. Um, I definitely want to audience movie as well. It was a really good audience movie. Like people were genuinely like terrified. Um, so yeah, I, I would love to go and see this. Um, I'd pay $50 to go see this right now for sure. For sure. Yeah. That was close on my list as well. As far as for what you're saying as well, it's just, yeah, the fact that you're seeing a movie like that in the theater with a crowded, you know, a crowd, I think that's, there's a big benefit. there. Remember remember when that happened when you could go see a movie theater with a packed audience. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Now, now everything's funny though place. that I avoid. I always avoid the crowded movies. For the I hate, for I hate crowds, so it works out for me. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I will yeah. only go to a Thursday. I'll only go to a movie on like a Friday night or Saturday night if it's like I I have to see this movie or I will die. <laughs> and I couldn't see it <laughs> Thursday night. Well, fortunately with Bond, there's no time to die, so you'll be fine when that one comes. <laughs> I, I had no time to release the damn thing. Yeah. 
Mike, were there any others that were like close? Yeah, I was gonna say like we've spent all of our two hundred dollars now. I guess if you have a runner up, feel free to name them. I, I'm gonna throw Coming to America out there. I, that's the one I had too. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I was like, do I do I put in Eternals or something funny? You know, I kind of went with like different genres so I could feel good about myself. <laughs> I would. I, Coming to America is a theater movie, I think. We and you got to go with like. You, I don't know how to say this. But you just got to go with the right audience. Yes. Yeah. 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 Leave it at that. I, I, I hear you, and it's appropriate. I mean, there's, but I, I like after, after Dolomite is my name, where Eddie Murphy just seems like he's just back in the zone, and he's working again, uh, with the same director. Like I, I, I really want this to be good, cause mm-hmm. I, I'm in the same boat as like Top Gun, where I, I like Coming to America a lot. I'd argue it's probably Eddie Murphy's like best overall movie. Um, but like the necessity of a sequel to is like, no, we need more Coming to America. I just. <laughs> I'm putting that out there as far as like, fine, we're doing it. I want this to be good though. I want this to work. I want Eddie Murphy to succeed in just like being the funny that he can, you know, exude and having this cast back and everything. Like everything about the concept of doing this again just makes me hope everyone's on the same page and they deliver something special. Mm-hmm. I find it very unlikely it's going to be good. I find it unlikely that it's going to be a classic, but I mean, I'll put it this way: I love Anchorman. I was very surprised that Anchorman 2 was funny as it was. And so I want this to like, <laughs> I, I want this to reach that goal for me. <laughs> so. That's the only problem with these, when they do sequels as far apart, like you do lose momentum. Like Dumb and Dumber is my favorite, one of my favorite comedies of all time. And Dumb and Dumberer didn't work for me because it felt like old people making young Dumb people Dumber jokes. Two. Dumb and Dumber 2. Yeah, Dumb and Dumberer is amazing. Sorry, let me clarify. Dumb and Dumberer. <laughs> Is so good. Shia LaBeouf, by the way, kills it. And it's definitely a movie that exists. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, um, I don't know, man. I just, okay. I'm gonna keep my expectations low, but my excitement high. Yeah, and that makes sense. Aaron, what are what are some of your movies on your uh, runner-ups? Uh, Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho, because um, mm-hmm. Edgar oh. Wright makes great movies. First time uh, I've heard of this movie, by the way. So now yeah, I'm excited. He, he has a horror movie coming, supposedly coming out in September, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Candyman, yeah. uh, David Fincher's Mank, um, which is a Netflix movie anyway, but I mean, it's a David Fincher movie, so I'd like to see it on a big screen. Mm-hmm. And um, Untitled Paul Thomas Anderson movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's just called Untitled. Yeah, that'd be great if he just left it as such. I mean, he probably a- would. I mean, as you know, Abe, any movie that's called Untitled Whoever's Project, I always wish that was the title of the movie. <laughs> like, that's always my favorite thing. <laughs> I, I still like I still remember before Mark Rylance was on that bridge that it was called Un- Untitled Steven Spielberg Cold War Thriller. And I was like, yes, let me still have to see that right now. <laughs> well, great. Well, that's Abe, what we... Abe, did you have any others? We, we kind of named them there. I mean, uh, okay. definitely Coming to America, too. And also, I, you know, I, I definitely don't need to see Bob's Burgers, the movie in theaters but i do love that show so yeah. um yeah and but, new mutants we all want to see new mutants right i mean who, if who it made it this yeah. far i'm sure they can yeah. wait who, who hasn't wanted to see that since like 2017 <laughs> um but yeah no that was how we'd spend 200 dollars for movies that we want to see immediately this is a really good list by the way i mean i definitely would man if, if this was a possibility of course i would do this like instantaneously but we'll we'll wait to see what happens uh, with the post bloodshed era. But um, well, if it makes you feel any better, if you have thirty thousand dollars, you can buy a subscri- you can buy the equipment 
to get first run movies in your home theater, then $500 per movie for a limited time, you get access to that movie so you can watch it at home. I mean, that sounds like a steal to me. So the math yeah. adds up in my book. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you already have 200 bucks, so. Yeah. All right. Well, with all that out of the way, that's that's going to do it for this week's episode about Now Throwing an Ape. You can find more of my work, my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I'm also writing uh, reviews over at We Live Entertainment, and I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? Find more fun stuff over my Instagram, abe.mula, and twitter.com slash walrusmoose, hashtag highdive. Mike Eisenberg, where can people find more of you online? I am on Twitter at Eisentower30, and uh, my dogs have an Instagram at Nolan and Norman. Randomly <laughs> figured, why not throw that one out there? <laughs> All right. Uh, you can find all the other episodes about Now Throwing an Ape on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. HHWLED, SoundCloud, or Podomatic. Feel free to email us at outnotpodcast at gmail.com. Right on our Facebook wall, facebook.com slash outnotpodcast. Uh, or right on our Twitter, twitter.com slash podcast. And of course our Instagram page, instagram.com slash podcast as well. Mike, thank you very much for joining us for this episode. Mike, thanks, thanks for, for having me. on with us. I mean, this is a little bit longer than, than our other episodes for uh, post-Bloodshot Era, but hey, thanks. Now you see why Alex and I always record two-hour podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually the norm for us, too. But yeah, glad to have you glad to have you here. Glad Thanks to have our listeners me. stay in tune and everything. Um, let's see. We'll, we'll, we, have to, we have to decide on what next week yeah, is exactly. going to be. Um, but for now, just know that there is another episode coming later this week with my lovely girlfriend and I. We talk about our favorite movie memories together, which is a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, until next time, so long. And goodbye. Oh, summer, summer, boy, oh, summer, here's me.